0: of the world. My name is Edwin Porras, Edwin Porras, Dr. of Physical Therapy, and I am here to give you a new podcast because that's what the world needs, is another podcast. There aren't enough of those in the world, and I think that uh, this is going to be a good, good adventure and a new adventure for a lot of different people uh, on this podcast, and it's going to be great. Hope you caught my sarcasm there. So yeah, this is me. This is my voice. If you haven't listened to any of the guest appearances I've done... Uh, in terms of injury analysis, then this is the first time you're hearing my voice. And this podcast, maybe it's a surprise, maybe it's not, all three of you out there who are listening to it. Uh, I decided to finally follow through with this because enough people have asked me to, and I'm extremely humbled by that. Uh, I'm extremely humbled by anybody who seeks out my content, tags me and stuff on Twitter, at FBinjuryDoc, by the way. I really appreciate all that. So what I wanted to do today is give you a very, very brief rundown on my my story uh give you a little bit more information background information about me who i am and then i can get into some content i think episode zeros are they're just not for me i think that they uh, don't provide a lot of value so i want to give you a little bit of background but then just dive right into my running back tears uh, that are uh, physical volatility the injury volatility running back tears at fantasypoints.com so a little bit more about me i'm a very very proud uh son Uh, two Mexican immigrants and I went to physical therapy school I just graduated passed my boards got licensed licensed very 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 avid fantasy football player uh, very very interested in human performance recovery rehab and got my doctor doctorate of physical therapy and essentially what that means is we specialize in using exercise and um, sort of hands-on treatments to help patients guide themselves through treatment through uh, pain, physical pain, knee pain, back pain, hand pain, arm pain. We help people come back from surgeries. Uh, we help maybe people stay away from uh, pain pills, injections, all that kind of stuff. So that's what I do by trade. That, that's who I am. That's what I went to school for. And the reason that I dove into this fantasy football stuff in the first place is because uh, I thought there was a space to be able to provide more context when it came to injuries. And I think that so far that's, sh- that's fleshed itself out. There are a ton of great injury analysts out there. Uh, I thought that maybe my voice could provide a little bit more clarity in a different way, and hopefully, uh, everybody listening to this agrees. So, f- let's b- sort of backtrack a little bit. I started uh, last year as a fresh, no experience, no work, really shitty Twitter avatar. I uh, started giving out advice on Twitter at uh, around this time, and I asked Ben Kakanis to you know, consider me for just free injury analysis with the fantasy free agents at that time with Tom Broly and uh, Joe Dolan. And he graciously said, yeah, sure, let's do it. And then we were on a podcast for all 16 weeks of the season and, and beyond. And now here I am a medical analyst with some of the top fantasy analysts in the entire universe, Graham Barfield, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, John Hansen. I mean, the list goes on and on. And I like to joke that I am the 92 Christian Leitner trying to give out injury information and injury um, you know sort of context to help you guide and help you win your fantasy football leagues okay so that's a little bit about me the primary thing that I want to do is like I said help you win I want to give you information that's going to help you win your fantasy leagues give you an edge because in this point information is not a pr- is not really uh, at a high cost there's a ton of information everywhere you can google rankings you can google projections you can google anything that you want when it comes to fantasy football now quality high quality and nuanced fantasy football advice and analysis in my opinion is really what's king it's going to it's going to push that top whatever five percent high stakes players potentially uh, over the edge and i think that injury analysis is, is for a long time gone underappreciated and i think we can push that space together so i want to give more more context and to a certain extent i do want to teach that's the second thing so i want to help you win first second I want to help. i want to teach you how to win help to teach you how to win I want to challenge your way of thinking I want to challenge your potential biases and I might make you mad and that's okay Uh, my style as I've said before on Twitter isn't for everybody it's not for everybody so the third thing is I want to do is provide some sort of emotion for you even if it's if I make you laugh with my bad jokes uh, if I make you think hard if I make you analyze everything anything that you're doing in terms of, of the fantasy football space then that's great that's sort of the point so those are the three things i want to do help you win help to teach you how to win essentially and then elicit some sort of emotion but that's enough of that because that's almost five minutes of me ranting so let's move on to the actual information that you want to know and that is what the injury tiers for running backs look like seeing as here we are on the eve, or I guess it's now, it's the morning of the Scott fishbowl Bowl, and hopefully you have your picks set out. But I wanted to give a little more context when it came to my injury uh, tiers that you can find over at fantasypoints.com. So, what I did here is I tried to use the medical uh, literature and my own sort of research to quantify what the injury risk is for running backs. So, the entire methodology is there's a method to the madness for lack of a better phrase if you want to go over to fantasypoints.com subscribe and you can see the entire way that I break down how I quantified these essentially every every running back got you know a 1 for a hamstring a 1 for a shoulder uh, a 1 for an ankle and i mean when i when i say 1 i mean just an arbitrary number because it's 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 just there's not it's just a unitless value um, and then you went from there so for example if uh, they had a previous hamstring then they got 0.25 um, 0.25 of a of a point to quantify that because hamstrings recur at 25 percent if that makes sense and so on and so forth like i said it's sort of complicated it's hard to explain but if you read it it'll make a little more sense so anyway let's start you know so it's going to be the green yellow and red light tiers let's start with the green light tier. This is, you know, a group of players that given it's Ezekiel Elliott, Philip Lindsay, Boston Scott, Rykel Armstead, Christian McCaffrey, Nick Chubb, David Montgomery, Daryl Henderson, Kareem Hunt, Tariq Cohen, Tony Pollard, Ronald Jones, Aaron Jones. Okay, those players, and those are all t- based on the top, uh, top ranked players, I think it's top 50 over at fantasypoints.com. If you want to get those entire rankings, go over there. That's where you can find all of my written content. Okay, so. Those are all the players you don't really have to worry about unless obviously, you know, football's a dangerous sport, these guys could get hurt the game one, and you can call me a nut job, but for the most part unless catastrophe strikes, these players are the safest green light tier. Let's move down to the yellow light tier because this is where you start to have questions. In the yellow light, yellow light tier, you have essentially too many too many tiers essentially is what you have. In the first the first mini tier of the yellow lights you have Derrick Henry, Leonard Fournette, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Kenyon Drake, Alvin Kamara, Devin Singletary, Miles Sanders, Joe Mixon then you have a break the next sort of the bottom of the yellow light here you have James White, Austin Eckler, Chris Carson, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, Melvin Gordon okay here's here are the guys i don't want to talk about first let's talk about Joe Mixon a guy that i don't think a lot of people discuss in terms of being quote unquote injury prone um, and I'm not saying he's injury prone. That's not where I'm going, by the way. But I think that Joe Mixon, he is a dude who essentially has had a lot of injury mileage pile up, unfortunately. He's had a concussion that knocked him out for a couple of games uh, back in, I think it was his rookie year, 17 or 18. He's also had this, this issue with ankle injuries. He's had an ankle injury. He had an ankle injury last year. He had an ankle injury before that. Uh, those tend to recur at about 10%, 10 to 14%. Okay. So that's not fantastic, right? Uh, there are some theories. I know that uh, Ethan Turner, Dr. Ethan Turner, uh, fellow physical therapist, he theorizes that the reason that we saw such a, a spike in Mixon's productivity in the second half of the season is because in the first half of the season, that ankle sprain that he picked up in Week One uh, followed him through. So potentially, that that's a, that's a very valid theory. That's that that very well could be some a part of the reason uh, that he was not as productive in the first half of the year. So that's something to consider with Joe Mixon. Okay. This next guy that I want to talk about, who is in the in the next tier down, he's the very very last player in the yellow light tier. He is a guy that a lot of people are familiar with. He didn't play the entire season last year. His name is Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon now, 27 years old. I didn't know he was that old personally, but he's had a plethora of issues, right? So to begin with, these 27 years old. We know that running backs and their athleticism tends to peak around the age of 24, or 20, which is which is nuts. That's a top 12 over the last four years. Top 12 fantasy running backs. Their average age is 24 years old. The standard deviation is literally 0. 0.8, so less than a year. So they are very very rarely older than 25, a top 12 running back, uh, and they are very very rarely younger than than even 23. So that's a pretty narrow narrow confidence interval there. He's 27, right? He's had intra-articular, which means inside the joint surgeries, that very, very easily c- could end up causing, you know, the the another player we'll talk about soon, the Todd Gurley knee, right? The arthritic knee. Uh, the thing is about athleticism, what we need to remember is that at 27, I'm 27 years old. I'm not saying I'm, <laughs> well, I'm definitely, I've never been, actually any type of super athletic or anything like that but at 27 I'm, I'm pretty young anybody who's 27 in their 20s you know that's pretty young you're generally healthy but for these these guys in the nfl the margin for athleticism is so razor thin that by the time you're 27 you are bordering on ancient and that is not because of necessarily injuries even though it can be it's not necessarily because uh you know you're you're Generally, compared to the popul- average population, less athletic. It means that you just get these 22, 23, 24 year old absolute studs, athletic freaks coming in behind you. At 27, your bone density matured. You've maxed that out. Your your muscle, your VO2 max essentially has been maxed out, which is just how much you know oxygen carrying capacity your blood has and stuff like that. Basically, how long you can run and how in shape you can you can become when it comes to the cardiorespiratory fitness. A lot of things have peaked at that age, and that's what I'm worried about with Melvin Gordon is that he might hit that wall. And the inside the knee surgeries and the history of, of the, he's got hip and, and groin issues. I'm just concerned that the wheels might fall off for Melvin Gordon. So he's the last one, uh, he's the last player in this yellow light tier. The, generally speaking about this tier, I think that these players aren't necessarily unsafe, but especially in the second uh, mini, mini tier, that second, James White, Austin Eckler, Chris Carson, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, Melvin Gordon, and especially that last group, that I, those guys I just mentioned, if the, if the wheel starts to fall off from an injury or physical performance pers- perspective this year from them, I would not be surprised. So, let's go to the red light tier. The red light tier, I'll read it off for you. It's Sonia Michelle, Jordan Howard, Darius Geis, Mark Ingram, Marlon Mack, James Conner, Kerryon Johnson, Dalvin Cook, Rashad Penny, Todd Gurley. Whew, man, let me just read you a piece here uh, that I wrote uh, here at, at fantasypoints.com. You can get the entire article here of my, my running back injury tiers uh, for 2020. This is a line that I that I said in in the red light tiered the takeaway section. Quote: In this tier of ten players, there's a combined total of 17 surgeries. This increases the risk of all sorts of issues in the future. I'm not the business of telling anybody what to do, but the above players are objectively at risk for re-injury and or performance reduction. It obviously doesn't mean it will happen, but as mentioned above, the best predictor of future injury is previous injury. So, ten players, 17 combined surgeries. The risk is all over the place. The guy that I think is the most interesting that I get the most questions about is Darius guys. So Darius guys, what an unlucky guy. He had probably the worst luck of any player. He finished almost all of his college career without missing any games due to injury. He didn't have any dating back to high school that we're aware of that are documented. There was nothing really there that was going to indicate that he was going to miss as many games as he has in, in the first two years of his, of his career. The reason that I really hammered home the, the, the emphasis on the college career is because that is games missed in the, in college is the best predictor for games missed in the NFL. That and draft capital. So, and I'll make sure to link all these studies that I'm mentioning uh, in, in the show in the show notes so you can check those out okay so moral of the story with darius guy says that he was extremely unlucky yes uh, he was a victim of the of the fact that two, only 2.3 percent of all nfl games are ever injury free he was the victim of that he was not necessarily at risk per se he just got extremely unlucky now we're facing this situation where he's had the acl tear with an infection. He's had the meniscus the, the, the meniscus issue. Then he had the MCL issue, right? So all of those things have piled up. Two of those, the, the meniscectomy and the ACL, those are inside. So again, intraarticular, inside the knee joint. Any time, anytime you have those types of surgeries, you increase the risk for for the, arth, the, the arthritis, symptomatic arthritis. I should I should emphasize it's symptomatic arthritis that matters because every, anybody can have arthritis. I mean you or I walking around could have arthritis in our back and our knee and our hip. But the research essentially shows that it's, it's, it's a, it's a toss up. You might have pain and, and no arthritic degeneration is what it's called. uh, Or you may have pain and not have any, but when it's symptomatic for these NFL players, it's, it's a problem. So he's at risk for that. He's got an increased BMI. His BMI is over 30. That's another risk factor. Now, the upside is that he's so talented and that he's so young, but the problem is now the 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 Washington team has brought in, you know, Bryce Love. They are bringing back Adrian Peterson. They are very clearly showing us that they're trying to approach the situation with Darius Geis as a load management thing, and so it's not so much that I'm necessarily saying or I think that Darius Geis is going to get hurt or get injured this year i I don't necessarily i think that he can stay healthy the problem with darius Geis is that i think that if he stays healthy it's going to come at it's going to come at the cost of a volume and it's going to come at the cost of b the fact that players nfl players running backs coming off of a minisectomy play fewer snaps uh, than their counterparts who don't and again I'll, i'll make sure to post those studies that i'm citing in in the show notes so really what I'm trying to say with Darius Geis is that the, the guy was really unlucky. It's unfortunate. There's not a lot we can say to what happened to him. I I hope that his, his athleticism and his draft capital and his overall mental well-being, because this has got to be just absolutely exhausting, crushing for an NFL player. I hope that he can stay healthy. I hope that he doesn't have any residual effects from the surgeries. And I hope that he proves me wrong. But as of now, he is in that position where I'm saying, as a fantasy football manager, you got to prove it to me first. I really don't want to draft him as any type of starter. That's where I'm at with Darius guys, and that's why. And then, of course, everybody likes to talk about Dalvin Cook and what's going on with that, so we'll talk about him. Here's the bottom line. 42% of college players who dislocated shoulder, glenohumeral dislocation is what it's called. 42% of those players who dislocated in college went on to the NFL and dislocated. 42%. That's a very, very large sample. That's a sample that literally spans from 1980 to 2008. That's 328 players. That's a lot, okay? Obviously surgical procedures have improved a lot since then, but the point remains that chronic dislocators, people who chronically dislocate their shoulder, are at a higher risk to dislocate again, regardless of surgery. Even if you have surgery, there's still about a 26% chance that you'll re-dislocate that shoulder. Dalvin Cook, as far as we know, hasn't had surgery on that shoulder. So this is obviously all assuming that he he doesn't hold out, we have an NFL season, et cetera, et cetera. The moral story here is that Dalvin Cook is objectively at risk to re-dislocate his shoulder. And if he continues to do so, he will require surgery likely at some point if he continues to do this because the, these don't get better with time. Unfortunately, rehab for chronic dislocators just doesn't really tend to help. If he dislocates that left shoulder, that's got a 50% chance of re-dis- redislocating without surgery. There's a chance that they could put him under the knife. That's a nine month layoff. Go grab Alexander Madison. You should have had him by now. If you have Dalvin Cook at all in any type of dynasty league, you should have had Alexander Madison. Okay? That's that on, on Dalvin Cook. And then, of course, the last person that I want to talk about is, is Todd Gurley because. I hate I hate that I feel like I'm always dogging on this guy. My gosh, but he's just one of these guys that he has shown, and the reports have said from the coaching staff, Sean McVay has said himself, Todd Gurley has said himself. The knee is the problem. I have a knee issue. It's arthritis. It's symptomatic arthritis, right? I know that a lot of a lot of other healthcare providers have have tried to, you know, talk me off the fact that, oh, it's arthritis, you know, you could be asymptomatic. And that's true in the general population. When you need to be an elite athlete and you've already admitted to the fact that your knee is not where it needs to be because it's arthritic, let me describe what it means. Osteoarthritis, in a nutshell, is a cascade, a vicious cycle of your brain trying to correct damage to an area that doesn't need correcting per se, right? Or it, it, maybe it does need correcting, but it, it, it just, unfortunately, the inflammation continues to build in that knee and the knee is damaged to the point where your brain and your body are, are knocked offline. And so your body's continuously sending chemicals to the knee and sending signals to your brain saying, hey, this is painful, you need to stop. We need to stop. Because the three stages of healing are inflammation, that's what causes you to stop. That's why. That's what when we were, you know, still in caves and we would step on a massive jagged rock, would cause us to stop, look down, hide, hold, hold pressure, and and hold on to our foot so that we wouldn't bleed out. That's inflammation. That the, the pain. This is this is the part of, of the healing process that, you know, a lot of times you you you'll hear people say, oh well, a little inflammation is a good thing. That's true. This is this is all part of the inflammation process. Your brain telling you there's pain. Uh, or I'm sorry, your brain telling you there might be some sort of pain or threat or damage that we need to look at, right? The second step is when it starts actually healing. The third step is when it's basically healed, but it's still reorganizing, right? Those are the three stages of healing. Unfortunately, osteoarthritis is a constant cycle of being in the first stage of inflammation. Brain sends, sends signals, brain sends chemicals, really painful in the knee, Right, sometimes shuts down the quad, so even if it's not painful, you don't get full contraction of the quad. I think it's less than fifty cc's of fluid that can build in the knee, uh, and essentially what it what it creates is just this this thing where your brain your your brain tells your your quad, hey, we're not going anywhere. So Todd Gurley doesn't even need to be in pain. To feel this. To feel the, the effects of of osteoarthritis. So, again, another guy who obviously is in an offense that could lead to great fantasy production. Unfortunately, he's extremely volatile. And he's another guy that I simply don't want to take as a starter on my team. Maybe a flex. Could be. Maybe you can convince me to take him as a flex at a flex spot in a standard 12-team league. At the highest, I'm just not really willing to gamble uh, on a player who has a a condition that doesn't get better with time. It actually gets worse with time and with age. So those are the full thoughts on Todd Gurley. And those are the full thoughts on on, on the other guys. Let me, let me put a bow on it with a good, maybe a good note here, right? So Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara is going to blow. And unfortunately, everybody's already onto this. Everybody sort of already knows and has said the same things. Alvin Kamara is about to blow. He came back with a, you know, grade one at least, maybe grade 1.5, I guess if you want to call it, Grade 1.5 MCL sprain and a high ankle sprain. He came back after three weeks. Uh, Medical studies show that essentially you cannot come back from a high ankle sprain and not still feel the effects. There was a survey that was conducted among all 32 NFL physicians at one point, and they all said, yeah, guys come back from high ankle sprains around three or four weeks, but they probably aren't really better until week five or six. And in Alvin Kamara's case, it was probably week nine or ten. He said it himself. He wasn't 75%. If you're worried about Alvin Kamara, or if somebody in your league is worried about Alvin Kamara, go get him. Just go get him. A health, The health should not be a reason why you don't draft Alvin Kamara, in my opinion, right? So that's the skinny on that. Thanks for listening to me talk for the first, whatever, however many minutes this was, 25 minutes. I appreciate you. Um, you know, listening, uh, rate review, do all that stuff. You know, I don't even really know what that means. I, a lot of times, you know, I'll do it for, for some of my, some of my close friends that are, that are, you know, talking about fantasy and I'll just, you know, rate them, whatever, maybe a five-star review would be, would be nice here on this first pod that I'm trying to provide some value. Um, I'll be, be doing some of this. So, Hey, if you are listening to this all the way till the end though, I would really appreciate it if you'd share on Twitter, Share on God forbid you're on Reddit or Facebook, but I mean, hey, if that's what if that's your style. Would really appreciate a share, uh, a like, maybe a retweet. If this is uh, this will likely be on Twitter, give me a retweet. Um, give me feedback. This is the first time I'm screaming at a mic alone by myself. Uh, I'll just I'll explain a little bit more about what we're gonna do. Uh, In the future, I want to bring on some guests. I want to do a little bit more talky-talky about general injury statistics and and medical science to help you win, all right? So that's what we're going to do. But rate, review, subscribe. That way you don't miss something. If I get enough good feedback here, um, since I know Scott Fishbowl draft will start as you're listening to this. It's already started. That's why I wanted to put this out. Uh, If I get enough good feedback, I'll put out wide receivers. I'll do, do a section on wide receivers. So there's that. Tweet at me and say hashtag SFB, what's fishbowl X, right, SFBX, and then tag me and say wide receivers. That way I know that there's enough people listening to this that actually want to listen to the wide receiver version. If not, um, I'll just wait to put it out at some point. So for me and for my wife who's in the kitchen, uh, I don't know what she's doing. Actually, she might be in the living room for my dogs, who are with my wife, and for my rabbit. Sir hops a lot. This has been the first episode of Injury Prone, the Injury Prone podcast. Thanks again.